Good morning. Welcome to Coffee with Jim, impactful healthcare discussions with influential thought leaders. It's my great pleasure today to have with us Dr. Richard Dick Kovacs, Chief Medical Officer of the American College of Cardiology, as well as a past president of the Board of Trustees of the ACC. Dr. Kovacs is the QE and Sally Russell Professor of Cardiology at Indiana University School of Medicine and much more. Dr. Kovacs, great to have you here with us this morning. Morning, Jim. Glad to be here. Congrats again, Dick, regarding uh, your most recent leadership roles. And as you know, our topic today is lessons post-presidency, in particular, leadership trust. But before we dig into our leadership discussion, a few short preference questions. First one, <laughs> Green Bay Packers or Indianapolis Colts? Oh, Colts. I've been here for too long. My ties to the Packers are way old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for a vacation, mountains or ocean? Ocean. And if I recall correctly, you spent some time on the water in Massachusetts not too long ago. Nantucket. Not too much uh, hurricane surf, but uh, enough. Last one. Preferred disc style. D or S? I think I'm a D. Am I not? <laughs> That's right. I think you are. And how about this one? Least preferred disc style. Well, you don't have to answer that if you don't want. <laughs> I like them all. Okay. Good answer, Dick. Well, because as we know, he who rejects Discovery is fated to repeat it. Anyway, moving on. Back to our topic, leadership trust. As you know, nationally and globally, we're seeing an incredible acceleration of change in healthcare due to internal, external forces, which makes leadership more important now than ever. Also, we've seen a significant erosion in trust regarding healthcare. So let's back up and regarding your recent leadership roles, in what ways would you say your prior experiences has prepared you for this moment now, especially your role as CMO at the ACC and past president? The ACC itself is a is a trusted organization, so it has a it has a culture. Whatever organization you're leading, I think that's that's very important. I go back to first time that the American College of Cardiology was asked for advice was in the 1960s when the Federal Aviation Administration wanted to find out how healthy the hearts should be on airline pilots, on commercial airline pilots. So they came to the college as a trusted source. It, the college has a trusted voice. And as CMO and as its president in the past, you really try to jealously guard that trust. My past experiences are, are broad. I think one of the reasons that I was selected to be ACC president was that I have experienced a lot of different perspectives in healthcare. I came up through an academic medical center, as many young people do, trained, joined the faculty at IU. But I left for a while, and I was actually in a private practice for 10 years, still doing research at an academic but private hospital. But I was in private practice. I got that perspective. Then I spent a period of time working in large pharma company at Eli Lilly here in Indianapolis. And so got a little bit of corporate culture from a Fortune 500 company and then came back to academics where I've been back for now over 20 years again. So I've made a full cycle, but it gives you that perspective of how cardiologists and cardiovascular clinicians in different venues do things and what they trust and their, their language of trust. That is a great breadth and depth. And as we alluded to in our preference questions, one of your past experiences was actually as an aspiring NFL football player. Tell me a little bit more about what aspect of that contributed to your leadership approach. Several things. Uh, 
First, tell us tell us about the team and just a, a word or two about that. You know, I grew up in Northern Ohio uh, at the time when Northern Ohio football was dominant. Uh, things have moved a little further south now. <laughs> Big Ten, SEC kind of thing. But, um, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a town that was sort of crazy about football, was exposed to several influential people, including the the Knoll family. And Chuck Knoll was, you know, coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time. Then I played Division Three ball at the University of Chicago, but was scouted for professional career and invited to training camp for the Packers. You, you mentioned my link to the Packers, but I had a decision to make <laughs> about going to medical school or going to training camp uh, in the 1970s when uh, contracts weren't so lucrative. So I decided that probably my better long-term uh, future was in um, medicine rather than uh, professional football. It taught me several things. One is the value of teamwork and leading a team. You've probably heard that on football teams, sticking to your role, staying in your lane, doing your job is critical to the success of the whole. Leaders imparting on you know their teams to what their roles are, being clear about their roles, having the whole trust in the sum of the parts is, I think, an intrinsic part of football or any any team sport. You you, you play soccer, so you, you know that that you got to be in your positions on the field. You have to do your job. You have your responsibilities, but you can still have win and have fun. It's been interesting because my journey with the NFL has continued. The, the scouting combine is in Indianapolis every year. I've been very involved in the cardiovascular safety of the players who come through the combine and evaluating them for any heart disease that might affect their playing days. That's a whole different level of trust. Because mm -hmm. first of all, um, you're making potential career decisions based on cardiovascular testing for these aspiring NFL players. And then also you have this relationship with the league, which is an interesting because the league has their own interests. One lesson I learned from that is um, I very much like the idea of being Switzerland. You know, for the scouting combine, we are agnostic as to which team might draft a player. We provide the information. We may do testing, imaging, an opinion on the player's heart, but that's neutral. And we give it to all the teams. They all get the same information. Um, and I think over the years, they've trusted our opinions, our ability to, to be fair and unbiased and put the player first, much like you know, our cardiovascular care teams put the patient first. So that, that's the focus and that engenders trust. Continue forward, Dick. What was the best advice you received to prepare you for your presidential year? <laughs> when I uh, I actually uh, made a formal poll, I polled the, uh, the past presidents from the recent years. I think I went about 10 years back and I, I asked each president, just give me three things that would be bits of advice to going forward, most of them coalesced around this, around engendering trust, recognizing how much your words, your words matter, when to speak as a leader. This was important. You know, you're, you're the chair of the board of trustees of the college. This is a very, very talented group of people working to take the college forward. You know, the chair is very, is a very powerful position, but you're trying to also get all of the the opinions and the information and the perspectives out of this of this board. So I got the advice that the leader often will will speak, but speaks towards the end. That advice, and I I use that a lot in that leadership role. I I, I always spoke. People knew what my opinion was. 
let the other opinions come out ahead of my opinion. Now, there was one important lesson that I learned from a, from a colleague, and this was from, uh, and I'll, I'll name her because she's, we, this is legendary. So uh, Dr. Walsh, so Minna Walsh was a past president of the college, and we had a particularly controversial decision to make for the college. I was not the president yet, but I was on the board. We had a vote, and I actually, I wound up opposing this, uh, opposing this particular action that the college was going to make, but I did not speak about it before the vote. And uh, Minnow called me out, and it was very constructive. She said, you know, really, because as a leader, you're very influential in this. You voted, but you didn't express why. And I've never done that again. I've, I've learned that, you know, if, if there's something controversial, I need to I need to speak out. The, the leader needs to, the, people need to know where the leader stands on this rather than just work this in some, some subterranean fashion. That's a great story. I'm, thanks for being candid with that story, Dick. I remember this period of time when this story took place. And as you know, because we're, we're, we're talking about trust, right, and where you've made a lot of great decisions and where you were kind enough to open this kind of mini case study up uh, to the group, right, to say, how do we continue to create healthy conflict in order to keep making the, the board the best board it could possibly be? Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. It goes without saying that there it's a safe environment to express your opinion, but you still have to express your opinion. Now, talking about some of the tough decisions, and this was a few years ago, that the board had to make, that individuals have to make as contributors to that board. What was the toughest decision you had to make during your term as president? That's easy for me because I was I was the first COVID president. <laughs> we had to decide to cancel our meeting or actually not cancel it, but pivot it from an in-person meeting, a traditional, you know, tens of thousands of attendees uh, all together for several days, you know, not socially distanced. We were deciding this in, you know, in March of 2020 when things were very uncertain. We had to make a decision. We had to come together as a leadership team. We had to trust our ability to make the right decision. In some ways, we had to trust our ability to synthesize data that, as we all know how it's worked out, was it was the fog of COVID at that time. We really didn't understand a lot, and we had to make a very tough decision. Retrospect, obviously, we made the right one, and we led the way for many societies with that decision you know it was very easy after after the American College of Cardiology turned its annual meeting virtual pivoted in a matter of weeks um, it was very easy for every other major medical society around the world to follow our lead that's a great story too I, one of the things you allude to uh, didn't say i want to make sure that comes out that was a huge decision for clinical reasons the global pandemic financially we know let's you know ACC and many others revenue is connected to live in-person meetings and that is often the the juice of these meetings right where individuals get to network with each other so it was basically saying we are definitely going to put mission over margin here because it's the right thing to do we don't have a whole lot of certainty moving forward, but right now it seems like the right thing to do. Any no, reactions? Absolutely. You know, the thought process, was, as you said, it was the, you know, the safety of our members, but also we could have conceivably have taken out, you know, a third of the U.S. cardiovascular clinicians <laughs> in one fell swoop, you know, with infecting everybody all at once. It could have been a disaster. It was a, it was a major financial decision. You know, financial officers at the college were 
grit in their teeth. But there was also, you know, there was an important, this is the visibility. Um, there were many who said, how dare you capitulate to this hysteria? It, 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 remember back what was going on. But as you said, when you're trying to make that difficult decision, you go back to your, you know, your bedrock, your core, core values that won the day over, over money, over public criticism, over whatever. Right. You were willing to kind of take the proverbial arrows. We're talking about here today, of course, leadership from an individual perspective, a leader in a role, as well as the leadership role that an organization takes and the optics of that goes a long way to your point. And that spread around the world like rapid fire in that moment. And let's also, I mean, we can say it, we won't get into the discussion of it. There was a huge, you know, you alluded to it, political divide on that, to your point about information, what's accurate information and what's not. So there was a lot of uncertainty. We also, you know, you think I'm connecting the neurons about what, what happened at that time as well. And cardiovascular care is a, you know, we're a global organization. We're a global family of people who care about people with heart disease. We talked to our colleagues around the world. We said, what's it like? What's it like in China? What's it like in Italy? Um, those were hot spots at the time. We leaned on our on our colleague. Um, we trusted their, you know, we trusted their insight. They were on the ground seeing what we had yet to see. And that was very helpful. It's a very positive thing for us to be able to have trusted friends, colleagues around the, around the world to lean on. Uh, to your point about China, to our friends and colleagues in Europe, in Italy in particular, right? And then in the UK, many other countries, Spain. And then, right, it was like literally the the, the thermal winds were, were going around the world quickly. And then different hotspots in the US from Washington State to New York City to DC. So a lot we were not prepared for, right? Now, looking back, what would you do differently, Dick? Perhaps the communication you know, making clear to to all, everybody, you know, why we were doing this. We we said there's a pandemic. We, you know, clarifying it, having a consistent, having a clear, consistent message, uh, a, a trusted message. But I think we did a pretty good job on that on that decision. You can always communicate. I think more clearly. You can always communicate more frequently. Uh, that's probably the one thing that I would uh, that I would consider doing differently. Hmm. Oh, you know, one thing that you mentioned in a prior discussion, preparing some of these things as information is being revealed, because remember, we, we didn't know and and empathizing and knowing your environments. Any reactions? Yeah, I think that's important. And I think it's important that the the empathy be a, a genuine empathy, truly sort of flip this around and look at it from lots of different perspectives to understand, you know, how this is going to affect. I, I, I come back a lot to our fellows in training and you mentioned, you know, how important, you know, like a decision to cancel an annual meeting is for a fellow in training who's presenting their first, their first poster. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're going to have to stand up in front of all these folks that they have read read their writings and heard them speak and and now they're and then that's just pulled away from them that loss so i think that was I, that was a very very important part for me as well uh, both how you understand that but how you can help those early career members especially that have a, like this gap some of our fellows have never gone to an in person meeting as a fellow you know as a as a fellow in training 
Um, <laughs> they don't know. They don't know what they don't know what they're missing. Uh, they just know they've missed a lot, but they don't know exactly how it feels. Well, looking back now on your whole, you know, presidential term, the the full three years, VP year, presidential, and post uh, president. Now, looking a few years back, how did that moment change you? It made me realize that you've got people around you that are going to help you with with tough decisions. We came together as a team. We had, I mean, there was dissent. There was some dissent within the senior leadership of the college as to how to do this, but it made it even more important for me to recognize the importance of of, of that team. The other thing over the the three years that I became increasingly impressed with as as a leader, the nuance how how important uh, your words are. You see the national news and, you know, people hanging on every word of whether it's the, the Fed chair or the president or, or, or whoever hanging on those words. And, and, and then you realize that those words, you, you know, your words as a leader really matter so much um, because so many people are listening and they're listening carefully and they are listening for what your themes are, what your intent is. That's why I'm really happy that you're, you know, you're talking about trust because that's that's been a big theme of of mine is a the college as a as a trusted party and hopefully uh, me personally as as a trusted member of that community a trusted leader in that community and we all know how easy it is to you know lose trust how hard it is to build it how hard, how easy it is to lose it yeah that's right it takes years to build and sometimes seconds to lose and one Great. you know a couple stray words <laughs> Here or there. So you, you I, I think over the three years I became, and it's not defensive, it's thoughtful. Mm -hmm. You never know uh, as president of the ACC when you're, when somebody's going to call you up to speak. And mm -hmm. I've had these occasions uh, internationally where, you know, you're sitting in the front row at so-and-so society's opening session and, and, you know, you haven't really prepared any remarks, but by the way, the president says, oh, well, we have the president of the ACC here. Would you come up and say a few words? Yeah. You better have uh, something ready. You prepare for the unprepared or for, you know, for the, for the unexpected. You, mm -hmm. you, know, you prepare for that. I, I joke around, I call them stump speeches. You have a few stump speeches, political stump speeches. They're not pandering or insincere, but they're, uh, I think, you know, getting back to your, you know, your core values when you're on an international stage, you know, talking honestly about how important international relations are, how you can call your friends around the world and say, hey, what's, go what's going on here? You've got different experience. You've got, maybe you have more experience on something than we do. Saying those things, having those things ready, having your thoughts clear about what, what really is important. I think also with that trust is is showing that showing respect, you know, being respectful to the other group, even if it's a, maybe it's a group you're not on the best of terms with. But yeah, but but showing that showing that respect. So great leadership attributes. Tell us what was your greatest success of your board term as you look back. I think the greatest success is not going to be an individual like we did this, we built this, or this was published, or. But I think it's been the greatest success was the continued ev evolution of the college, not necessarily a revolution. We went in the past, presidents of the college were always asked, you know, what is going to be the theme for your year? 
And your theme might be congenital heart disease, or it might be women's health, or it might be emergency, you know, or me with it might be sports or football or something, or sports metaphors. But <laughs> that leadership style, you know, when you have this leadership role that's temporary, transient, transitory, I guess, if we use the financial terms now, you know, people are going to be pivoting this way and that. So I think the evolution and a strategic plan, our college has a strategic plan and the president oversees the board of trustees that are executing the strategic plan, setting up the strategies, letting others devise the tactics to meet those strategies. But I think that's what I'm the proudest of is that it's a it's a brick in the wall. You're 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 building forward. You're evolving, but with the same bedrock core principles, and not having quick pivots. The annual the annual meeting cancellation. Obviously, it's a quick. There there are things that things are going to happen, and you're going to have to have a a quick pivot here or there. But I think also I'm most proud of the evolution of the pace of the sticking to the strategies that are based on our mission, vision, and values of the college is core. And you don't want to, I don't want that to sound corny, but that's really when you get down to it, that's that's where you have your your bedrock. Well, that goes toward well, stability is often a key attribute, right, of effective leadership. To your point, there are times one must be nimble, and there are times when it's the stability that carries through, especially through times of uncertainty, mm-hmm. I imagine. And so yeah, st- stability based on, on your core principles, um, having a spine. You know, I mean, and there are going to be times when you're going to simply have, you know, there there are going to be times when you're going to have to say no, as we say in Indiana, hell no. Um, <laughs> we say so, that in Brooklyn too, <laughs> a little different way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, but that's um, that's that's part of it is that's part of the leadership as well. You know, when things are really not when you're when you've crossed the line, when this is not part of your value system. Uh, you you have to be strong. You keep the stability is not malleability or or just wishy washiness. There's a structure to it. There there is a set of criteria. Yeah. Well, I guess as you as you, you all know, you teach this. I mean, you know, the the leader sees where you want to go. So. Setting the vision. Yes. Let's go there a little deeper, Dick. You've been willing to be a little vulnerable about your own style, and there have been times you've said about yourself, you know, I may not tend to lead with the warm and fuzzy style. How does that contribute or not toward your the leadership trust that you develop? Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, and I, I I tell people that now, and I've had to work on that because I I have gotten feedback a lot. I walk I walk into a meeting room, maybe it's at my hospital, maybe it's on an international stage or whatever, and um, I'm not warm, I'm not warm and fuzzy. And some will you know say, boy, it looks like he's pissed off. <laughs> So I've number one is I've just recognized that being self-aware that that is how, how I come off sometimes that I'm not more I may look more reserved I may look more stern whatever and and I do that you know I, I make an effort I try to teach myself the emphasis to be a little to be friendlier to come across as as friendlier not forced but friendly and also realizing that finally. At the end of the day, it just takes maybe people a little bit longer to warm up to me. I have, you know, just great friends in all sorts of venues where when I've walked in, maybe they thought I wasn't quite the person that they were going to want to go out for a beer with that night. But, you know, after people get to know me, it's fine. Well, again, thanks for 
being a little vulnerable there and sharing that. And we all have aspects that we work on. Well, let's pivot. We've got one or two questions before we wrap up today. There are many individuals within, you mentioned several organizations, of course, ACC, AHA, other organizations who would love to have leadership roles you know, within their organizations. What's your advice to them? First of all, great that you aspire to a, a leadership opportunity. The second is, you're as you aspire to that, you're going to be given opportunities to make a commitment. If you make a commitment, keep the commitment. I see no more fatal <laughs> career move than as a, as a young leader saying, I will do this and, and not giving it the the whole try. I, you know, you may not be successful. I don't, I'm not talking about success versus failure, but I mean, if you say you're going to, you know, commitment, if I'm going to do these three things for this, for this task, do them, which gets to the third part of the answer is that when you're new, take small bites at the apple, not say that I'm going to, I'm going to present from the podium on the largest clinical trial ever done, you know, in the history of humanity. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm going to do that next week. Keep your commitments so that you keep up your enthusiasm and that you keep progressing. Great advice there. And that leads us to kind of a summary of today. Again, our topic, post-presidential lessons learned, leadership trust. So what makes a great leader today, Dick? You know, we focused on the trust. I was very interested, you know, was looking at some changes in leadership assessment qualifications. I was impressed by the, by the notion now of curiosity in the leader. And not sort of poking around curiosity, but asking questions, looking at things from multiple angles, getting all of the the aspects of the activity that you're trying to lead. You know, I, I have when I give talks now. You know, we're we're supposed to give our disclaimers about conflicts of interest and stuff. And I have realized that when I'm speaking, I'm giving my you know my opinions, my synthesis of the data. And I I think back to several several quotes. <laughs> that I've used. And I actually have a slide of these, depending on your era. You know, one comes from Sir Francis Bacon that was chiseled into the wall of the library at the University of Chicago, where I undergrad and it said, read neither to contradict nor to believe, but to weigh and consider. Mm. There, if you're a classicist, okay, there's, you know, I'm saying this, you're going to weigh it with all your other experience. Walter Cronkite, who was supposedly the most trusted newsman ever in the United States, but many people who watch this will have no idea who Walter Cronkite was, and they'll certainly have no idea who his sidekick was, but it was a guy by the name of Eric Severide who said, anybody who doesn't read two newspapers a day is a fool. So, yeah. so you want to see both sides. And then in Indiana, they say, it's just, it's just, it's just a mighty thin pancake that doesn't have two sides. <laughs> well, maybe we'll we'll leave our listeners with that last image since it is morning. Well, Dick, thanks so much for your insights. This has been an impactful discussion. Thanks for taking a look back and also giving us uh, food for thought for looking forward. Thanks a lot, Jim. Good luck with your continued uh, efforts in, in leadership. Thanks for listening. This is Coffee with Jim, podcasts with influential healthcare leaders. Join us at jamesmckenna.org for our full archive of leadership podcasts.